I want you to open your Bible this morning to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. We're going to look at a number of different verses. Uh, I feel very strongly impressed to say this, so I want you to listen now. I love to um, kid around and picket people and just have fun. And I do. And when we were talking about those titles a minute ago, I was just, I mean, I, I, I really did want you to know that Joe was working at University of Mobile and that he was working in a school of ministry. And, and so that's the reason I ask him, well, what, 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 what's your title? But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, th- th- this is the title of every child of God. This is, uh, you say, well, Brother Fred, what is your title? Or Brother Ed, what is your title? Or Brother Joe, what is your title? Or Brother SL or Brother David or any one of you, you know what our title is? This is probably, I don't sign my name this way, but I would be glad to sign it this way. I sign every letter I write, Jesus Christ is Lord. But you know what our title is? We are a bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that's the way Paul identified himself? Paul, an apostle, a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's pretty humbling when you say you're a bond slave. It's pretty humbling when you say, well, I'm a bond, I'm bound, I'm a bond servant. But I'm going to tell you, it all depends on who your master is. Amen? If Jesus is your master, what a privilege of being a bond slave or servant a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. For that's at all that matters, that we serve him, and he receives the glory and the praise. You know, last week I talked about seeking God's face and how important it is in these days, which, by the way, these are perilous times. This know that in the last days perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. And these are perilous times. And in perilous times, Nehemiah, when the walls of Jerusalem were down and the gates were burned and the people were in in reproach, Nehemiah began to seek the face of God. And I'm saying to you, it is time for each one of us as individual followers of the Lord Jesus Christ to seek God's face. Psalm 27 says it very, very clearly. Listen to what it says in verse 6, verse 8. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Lord, you said for me to seek your face, and I said, well, Lord, I will seek your face. Don't hide your face from me. Then over in Psalm 104 Listen to what the psalmist said in verse 3. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Listen to this. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Now, we have two encounters in the Old Testament where two servants of God said they spoke to God face to face. One of them was about Jacob, 
over in Genesis chapter 32, verse 24, Jacob was on the way to meet Esau, and he, he knew Esau was going to kill him. And so he had done everything he could, and he sent his servants and his family ahead, and Jacob was left behind. And it says in Genesis 32, 24, Then when Jacob was left alone, a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Somebody says this was the pre-incarnate Jesus. Others say it was an angel, but they wrestled with, Jacob wrestled with this uh, person all night long. And, and then as the day was breaking, the one he was wrestling with said, let me go. And Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you, you bless me. I will not let you go until you bless me. And, and he said, well, because uh, you're not going to let me go. And because of your heart toward me, he said, what is your name? He said, it's Jacob. He said, I'm changing your name. From now on, you're not going to be Jacob. You're going to be Israel. And then listen to what Jacob said about that place. So Jacob called the name of the place where he wrestled with the angel or whoever it was. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. I've seen God face to face. Then there's another example over in Exodus chapter 33. Verse 18, I want you to listen to what Moses said. Moses was leading the children of Israel, and God had told him to lead them. And he said, well, I'm not going to lead them unless you go with me. And he said, I'll go with you. And he said, well, good. He said, uh, and then he started out with saying, Lord, show me your way that I might know you. And, and, and then he said in, in, in Exodus 33:18, he got a little bolder, and he said, please, Lord, show me your glory. But back in verse 11, listen to what it said about Moses. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. Well, Jacob said, I'm going to call this place Benal, for I, I've seen God talk to God face to face. And then Moses over here uh, in, in verse 11, the Lord spoke to Moses in Exodus 33. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And then Moses said, Lord, I'm so glad you spoke to me face to face. Would you show me your glory? But then he said something. Now I want you to listen. Nobody's ever seen the face of God. Nobody. In fact, God is spirit. And they that worship him in, worship him in spirit and in truth. Nobody's ever seen the face of God. Oh, Mo, Jacob said, it's just like Israel said, I, I just talked to God face to face. Man, it was personal. Moses said, man, and God spoke to Moses face to face as you speak to a friend. But no, no, they didn't see his face. In fact, no man has ever seen his face. You know why I know that? Look down in verse 20 of Exodus 33. You don't need to turn. But he said, when Moses said, show me your glory. But he said, you cannot see my face. For no man can see me and live. He said, Moses, if you saw my face, you'd die. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He, he put him in a cleft of a rock. He said, I'll let my, uh, uh, see, I'll let my goodness pass before you. You say, well, Brother Fred, now when you're talking about seeking God's face, uh, you know, no man can see God's face and live. What, what, what are we talking about? Let me tell you exactly what I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about seeking God with your whole heart. I'm talking about not being half-hearted in the way you go after God. I got to thinking about it. We need to seek God with our whole heart. We need to seek the face of God. We need to seek God with our whole heart. You say, well, no, no. I, I, I say, well, let me ask you a question. In your daily life, are you seeking God with your whole heart? You say, no. I, I seek God. But I'm kind of half-hearted. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm busy. I'm kind of half-hearted. I'm seeking God with half my heart. That doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> it's almost like saying I'm not hot and I'm not cold, but I'm lukewarm. When I talk about seeking God's face, man, I'm talking about seeking God with your whole heart. You know what Psalm 119? Man, it, it's, a, it's a long, it's a psalm. But I want you to listen to how it started out. In Psalm 119, verse 1 and 2, listen to me now. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. He said, you're blessed not only when you keep God's word, but you're blessed when you seek God with your whole heart. In verse 10 of Psalm 119, listen to what he said. With my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wonder from your commandments. And then there's a verse over in Psalm 119, way over in verse 135. And listen to what he said. He said, God, I'm seeking you with my whole heart. And so in Psalm 119, 135, make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your word. I want to see, talk to you this morning about seeking God with our whole heart. But I, I'm going to go in another direction I've never gone before. And this is kind of dangerous because people can misunderstand you. But I'm not only going to talk about seeking God's face or seeking God, by all, but I'm going to talk about seeing the face of God. You say, but Brother Fred, you just said a few minutes ago that nobody can see God's face and live. That's true. I'm talking about God the Father. No one can see his face and live. But I, I want to give you a, a couple of verses for you to think about. About how that you can really see the face of God. And I, I, I really believe you can. And, and I think you'll see how, man, that, that really is a revelation of the heart of God. Over in John chapter 1, it says in verse 14, and the Word became flesh, Jesus, who, was, who is God, manifested in the flesh. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. And we beheld His glory. God became flesh and lived among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God became flesh and lived among us. And we saw His glory. And then, that's John 1.14. Then John 1, 18, listen to what Jesus said. No man has seen God at any time. But the only begotten who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. 
He said, nobody's seen God, but Jesus came, and he came from the bosom of the Father, and he revealed God. He revealed God. We saw the face of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I really, I believe that. And so as I begin to think how that Jesus had come, and then I was reminded of this. Now, I want you to stay with me now because I believe we have seen the face of God in the person of Jesus Christ. I really believe we've seen his face. You remember over in John 14, Jesus was telling his disciples, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. Uh, and I'm going to go prepare a place for you called heaven. And as Jesus had told them that, uh, it was Philip, I believe, that said, well, Jesus, listen, would you just show us the Father and it will satisfy us? And, and Jesus looked at Philip like, Philip, where have you been? He said, all these years I've been with you. He said, you need to understand something, Philip. He that has seen me has seen the Father. He said, you want to know what the Father's like? Well, you've been watching me for three years. You've been walking with me for three years. Hey, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Oh, I got to thinking. Certainly, I could never see the face of God the Father, uh, who is spirit and in truth. And no one could see God's face and live. But you know, God became flesh, and he lived among us. He lived among us, and he walked among us, and we observed him, and they said we touched him. But I'm going to tell you something. I really believe, as you look at Jesus, and as you study his life, you can see the face of God. I really believe that. Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Lord took me to five scriptures, and there are many more, that I believe revealed the very face of God. Here's the first one. You know, when you've seen Jesus, when you see in him the face of God, you know what God's face is? It's a holy face. It's a holy face. You say, Brother Fred, are you telling me when we, we see the Father, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And, and when you see Jesus, you see the very face of God. And you realize that God's face is a holy face. Oh, yeah. You know why I know? I thought of two passages. One and I'll just tell you where they are, and you can read them later. I thought of two passages about the face of God being a holy face. The first one was when Jesus went to the temple, and he saw the people selling doves and sacrifices and changing money in, in the temple. And they were being dishonest. They were charging unbelievable interest rates. They were charging exorbitant rates for the sacrifices. And, and, and you want to know what Jesus did? Now, just, just look at the face of God. Jesus made a whip out of cords. John chapter 2, verse 14. And he went into the temple. Now, get this. And he overturned the tables of the money changers. And the seats of those that sold doves. And he drove them out of the temple. Drove them out. 
I can imagine the look on his face. There was a righteous anger. Because God is holy. And here we see the holy face of God. And he said to those people, listen, it is written, my father's house shall be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And man, I saw the holy face of God when I saw Jesus cleanse the temple. But you know, then I really saw the holy face of God when Jesus confronted the scribes and Pharisees. You know, uh, everybody today wants to be uh, politically correct, you know, <laughs> and everybody wants to, to be seeker friendly. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You know why they nailed Jesus to the cross? Because he wasn't politically correct. And because he wasn't seeker friendly. Because when you listen to what Jesus said to the, to the Pharisees, you realize, well, man, I've seen the face of God. It's a holy God's face is a holy face. In Matthew chapter 23, I want you to listen to the words of Jesus to the scribes and Pharisees. In verse 25, now folks, listen. Listen to Jesus. These were the people that ultimately nailed him to the cross. These were very religious people. But Jesus said in Matthew 23, 25, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish. You make everything look real good on the outside. Man, you've got the prettiest robes and you've got the prettiest tunics on your head. He said, man, I'm telling you, he said, you make clean the outside of the cup and dish. But inside, you're full of extortion and indulgent. He said, blind Pharisees, cleanse first the inside of the cup and dish that the outside may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but within you're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Wow. You just got a glimpse of the holy face of God. And, and by man, it shook them up. And they said, man, you, you, you're, putting us, um, you're putting us on the spot. I'm going to tell you about God. I've never seen the face of God the Father, but I've seen the face of God the Son. I saw it right here in the Bible. I'm going to tell you about His face. It's a holy face. God loves sinners, but He hates sin. There's a book written by, I don't even believe the guy was a Christian. The title of it is, Whatever Happened to Sin? I'm telling you, God hates sin. He hated it so much, the only way he could deal with it was for his son to die on the cross. Man, if we hated sin the way God hates sin, I guarantee you our lives would be radically, radically transformed. Only a fool laughs at sin. So as I look at the face of God in the face of Jesus Christ, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know what I see? Man, I see a holy face. The holy face of God. But you know, when I saw this face, it, it absolutely broke me. You see, when you see the face of God in Jesus, you not only see a holy face, you see a redeeming, let me use that word, redeeming, to purchase, to buy back. 
Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, we sang it a couple of times. It means to purchase, to pay for, to buy back. You know, let me tell you about the face of God. It's not only the holy face. But in Jesus, it's the redeeming face. You know why? You know when I looked at his face? You know what I saw? I saw a crown of thorns pressed into his brow. How in the world do you press the thorns when your skull is there? But they they twisted a crown of thorns and they pressed it. And I saw the face of God. It's a redeeming face. There's a crown of thorns. And then I, I saw the face of God, and it says they, they plucked his beard out. And I saw the face of God, and it says that they beat him in, on the head with a reed, which means they struck his face with a reed. And somewhere, it seemed like I remember him saying his, his visage or his face was so marred, you could hardly recognize him. Who would ever think that the face of God would be crowned with a crown of thorns? Beard plucked at. Hard to recognize him. And on top of it, they spit in his face. Just spit in his face. Now that's an unusual picture. Of the face of God. But I'm going to tell you something. It's the redeeming face. Because Jesus is the redeemer. He's the one who came to purchase us. To pay for us. To pay the price for our sins. And I'm I'm a marvel. I marvel. At the God who spoke this world into being. He was there. when When God said let there be light. Jesus was there. By him and through him all things were created. And in him and through him all things exist. But somehow then I see him. Yes, it's it's a holy face of God. But oh, it's the redeeming face of God. And that redeeming face was for your redemption and my redemption. To behold his face. But then, you know, as I thought a little bit more about seeing God's face, seeking God with a whole heart, I remembered, I, I was, the scriptures reminded me that it's a holy face of God and it's a redeeming face of God in Jesus. But oh, I got, I got happy when I got to this. Oh, I got so happy. That broke my heart, the price he had to pay. But you know, I want you to get this picture. It's the forgiving face of God. The forgiving. You know the Pharisees? They were religious. They were orthodox. But they were mean people. (laughs) I want to tell you how mean they were, but I'd get criticized for saying I mean, they were just mean people. I mean, they had no mercy, zero mercy, zero. 
So they caught a woman in John chapter 8, it says. They caught her in the act of adultery. Bad. That's bad. It's sin. It's wicked. So they bring her to Jesus. They didn't care about that woman. They could care less. They wanted to trap Jesus. And John 8, so they bring her to Jesus and say, Jesus, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Moses and the law says that we're to stone her to death. And by the way, they did in the Old Testament. That'll make people think twice before they commit adultery. I can tell you that. They stoned them to death. Moses and the law said we're supposed to stone her to death. What, what do you say, Jesus? What's your word? He didn't say a word. He got down and he rode in the ground. Looked up and then he rode in the ground again. And by the time he was finished, every one of the Pharisees had left. They had all left. The Bible says they were convicted. They were convicted from the oldest to the youngest. And after Jesus had written something in the ground, he said, well, okay. So you, you're saying that we're going to stone her to death. And he had written something in the ground. He said, now, okay, this is going to be the conditions of the stoning. Let you, the one without sin throw the first stone. If you've never sinned, you go ahead and throw a first rock at her. Go on. Wrote again, and by the time he finished, they'd all left. Hey, by the way, before you get too hard on people and too judgmental and you don't have redemptive love for them, I want to just ask you something. Let him that is without sin throw the first rock. Well, they all left. Now I want you to see the forgiving face of God. There that woman stood. It wasn't a matter if she was guilty. But there she stood. <laughs> Jesus, can you see his face? He looked in the face of that woman. He said, woman, where are your accusers? Where are the ones that wanted to stone you to death? Where are they? She said, they're all gone. And then Jesus, can you imagine the look on his face? He looked at the lady and said, listen, by the way, he was the only one that could throw a rock. He had no sin. He could have. But you know what he said to the woman? This is the forgiving face of God. He said, lady, where are thine accusers? She said, they're all gone. He said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now see, some people would say, see there, sin's no big deal to God. No, you didn't understand what Jesus said to that woman. He knew what adultery had done to her. He said, neither do I condemn you. Now you go and sin no more. You go and you live a different lifestyle. Don't go back to what you, you're forgiven you're forgiven. Don't go back to what you've been forgiven of. Folks, listen. Can you imagine the look on Jesus' face, the very face of God, 
when he said to that woman, I don't condemn you. Now you go and sin no more. It's called the forgiving face of God. I'm so glad that you and I, realizing our sin and our wickedness, and that we really deserved death. We deserved not to be stoned to death, but we deserved death. But somehow, we were confronted with Jesus. And Jesus looked at us and said, listen, you're guilty. But I came so that you could be forgiven. I came so that you could be forgiven. And you and I, instead of seeing the stoning hand of Jesus, who could have condemned us, instead of that, we saw the forgiving face of Jesus and we heard him say to us I don't condemn you through the precious blood in your repentance I don't condemn you you just go you don't live that way anymore you go it's called the holy face of God it's called the redeeming face of God it's called the forgiving face of God. There are just two others. And, and it's, uh, I call it the compassionate face of God. The holy face of God, the redeeming face of God, the forgiving face of God. But then I come a little further and I begin to look at the, Jesus said, if you've seen me now, you've seen the Father. Okay, so when I see you, Jesus, I see the face of God. I see God the Father at work in the lives of people. And then I, I, I said, but here's an awesome picture of the face of God. The compassionate face of God. And really, it's one of the most moving pictures of Jesus in all the Bible. Lazarus had died. He died. You know, Jesus had eaten in the house of Martha and Mary and Lazarus, I guess on a number of occasions. In fact, when Lazarus got sick, they just sent a message to Jesus from Bethany to Jerusalem. Lord, the one you love is sick. This is all found in John 11. Lord, the one you love is sick. Jesus waited two days. He, he, he and the disciples stayed in Jerusalem for two more days. And when he got to Bethany... Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. The word came to, to Martha, the Lord is here. Martha left, ran out to meet Jesus, and you remember what she said? I want you to listen to the pathos in her heart. Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You know what she was saying? Where were you, Jesus, when I needed you? You ever felt like he wasn't there when you needed him? That he was late? Lord, if you'd just been here, he would never died. Jesus said, well, even now, I can raise him from the dead. She said, I know that. Well, she went back and told Mary. And Mary went out and said, this. you know, she said the same thing to Jesus. They just didn't understand why he wasn't there. Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus said, if you just believe, you'll see the glory of God. And then, Jesus, the Bible has two words. Now, Lazarus had died, been dead four days. 
Jesus knew he was dead. Jesus knew what he was fixing to do. He had told his disciples back in Jerusalem, this sickness is not unto death. It's for the glory of God that the glory of God might be manifested. And, you, and, 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 and he was basically saying, I, I know what I'm doing. You just trust me. And Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew it. That was the plan all along. He knew it. That's why he waited four days. But listen, this is what got me when I saw this. When he saw Mary weeping and Martha weeping, when he saw their broken heart, the compassionate heart of God. Does God really care? Is he a cruel and harsh God that doesn't really care what happens to you and what you go through? Does he not care about your pain? The Bible says that Jesus wept. Now somehow, when I see Jesus weeping, I see the face of God. Because he not only wept over over the pain of Mary and Martha, knowing he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew he was going to do it. But when he saw their pain and their hurt, (laughs) he wept with them. But I also remember another time. When he was going into Jerusalem and he looked down on the city and he said, oh, Jerusalem, how many times he wept over Jerusalem. I would have gathered you together as a hen does her chicks, but you would not. Can I tell you something? Let me tell you who's cruel. The devil's cruel. Let me tell you who doesn't care. The devil doesn't care. And I'm telling you, we basically live in a world where a lot of folks don't care. But if you ever see the face of God in the person of Jesus Christ, that song that we sing will be more than just a song. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. Man, I wonder when we get to heaven, we, we, I don't, and I, this is just a theological thing that I won't know till I get there, but I believe probably the only face of God we'll ever see in heaven will be the face of Jesus. God is spirit, and and I, I have no account where it says we'll see the face of God the Father, and I know they're one, but I do know the Bible says When we see him, we will be like him because we'll see him as he is. But I'm going to tell you, when you look at the face of God in the person of Jesus Christ, then you see a holy face, a redeeming face, a forgiving face, and a compassionate face of a holy God. But you know, lastly, you know what you see? And this excited me. You see a powerful face. Man, you think about it. Think about it. I mean, Jesus was holy and he cleansed the temple and and he rebuked the Pharisees for being outwardly religious and inwardly wicked. He was holy. But yet he suffered all that and his face was marred in his redeeming grace and his redeeming death. And he was so forgiving 
and so compassionate and caring. But I'm going to tell you something about the face of God. It's a powerful face. Oh, it's a powerful face. (laughs) You know what I thought about? Wouldn't you love to have been there? Judas goes and gets the Roman soldiers. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's such a vivid picture. You've you got to read it when you get home. It's in John, uh, it's John 18, verse 6. Judas, and here comes the, 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 deta- uh, the detachment or, or, or attachment of what it was of the Roman soldiers. And they're coming. Boy, they got on their, their metal vest and their helmets and their spears. And, and it's probably t- 10 or 20 or 30, I don't know. And they come marching into the garden to get Jesus. They come marching in to get him. And, and, and they get there. And, and here's standing Jesus right there looking at him. He says, well, who are y'all uh, looking for? You read it in John 18. said, we've come to get Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. And they all fell to the ground. Like somebody hit him with a sledgehammer. Because they looked into the powerful face of God. No soldier could have ever apprehended the Son of God. Oh no. He could have called 10,000 angels and they would come and set him free. But they looked into the holy face of God, the powerful face of God, and they fell like trees, like dead men. And Jesus said, by the way, I, I want to ask you again, who did you come for? <laughs> Jesus, he said, you, you're looking at him. What's your problem? Yeah, what's your problem? I mean, are you going to take me or not? I guarantee you one thing. People can mock God now, and they can blaspheme God now, and they can curse God now, but the time's going to come that the glory and power of God is going to be so great that their hearts will fail them for fear, and they'll cry for the mountains and rocks to fall on them and to hide them from a presence of a powerful God. I'm telling you, it's a powerful face. You know, the face of Jesus, he looked disease in the face and disease left. He looked death in the face and death left. In Matthew, it talks about, I I just want to read this. I want to talk to you about the powerful, the powerful face. In Matthew chapter 8, just to show you how powerful the Son of God is. When you look in the face of Jesus, you see the face of God. And I want to tell you, Jehovah, the Father, is all-powerful. And in Matthew 8, verse 14. Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother, Peter's mother-in-law, lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served him. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He cast out the spirits with the word and healed all that were sick, that he might be fulfilled by the, that which, which was written by Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and sicknesses, and by his stripes we are healed. Hey, let me say one thing. When you look in the face of God, in the person of Jesus Christ, man, it's a powerful face. 
sickness, death, demons, all knew the powerful face of the Son of God. And he has all power in heaven and on earth. Well, by the way, Saul of Tarsus found out about the powerful face of Jesus, didn't he? <laughs> on the road to Damascus to persecute the Christians and put them in jail. He had an encounter with the face of the living God when Jesus Christ knocked him off that horse. And Saul became Paul and became a mighty man of God because he had an encounter with the face of God in the person of Jesus Christ. It was a powerful face. Oh, Zacchaeus found out how powerful his face was. Zacchaeus was a thief and a robber. And Jesus called him down out of the tree and said, come on, I'm going to go to your house and eat. And man, Zacchaeus got in the presence of Jesus Christ and the mighty power of Jesus. And you know what he said, Lord? He got so under conviction. He said, Lord, everything I've stole and everything I've done, I'm going to give it back fourfold. That's repentance. I'm going to tell you that right now. Because he had seen the powerful face of the Son of God. It's a powerful face. But I thought that was the last one, but there's one more. <laughs> well, you're going to be glad I don't leave this out. Turn in your Bible over to Revelation chapter 1. When you've seen the face of God in the person of Jesus Christ, you've seen a holy face, redeeming face, forgiving face, a compassionate, caring face, a powerful face, but hallelujah to God, you've seen a glorious face. Man, if you don't believe it's glorious, just turn over to Revelation chapter 1 and just think about when we see him face to face. In Revelation chapter 1, this is the glorious face of God, seen in the person of Jesus Christ. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands like the seven churches. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, it's Jesus, clothed with garments, clothed with a garment down to the feet, girded about the chest with a golden band, had a long garment on, and it was girded about with a golden band. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as refined in a furnace. And his voice was as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his hand, right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. So that's a glorious face. His eyes like flames of fire, shining like the sun in its strength. Hallelujah. Now we see through a glass darkly, right? But one day we're going to see him face to face. But I want to tell you something. 
I, I, I believe that in Jesus, I've got a glimpse of the face of God. And I believe when you seek God with your whole heart, I believe you too can get a glimpse, all of us, of the face of God in the person of Jesus Christ. We can see Him and we say, what, a, what an awesome God. What a majestic and mighty Savior. What a joy to be a follower of the Lamb of God.